seated in the presence of the Lord. Today, today we celebrate Veterans Day, and I just wanted to share a video. And before we dismiss our kids, I want us to watch this video just in appreciation. stand for the reading of God's word. We are grateful. I wanted to make sure our young people were in here for that video because freedom isn't free. Amen. Amen. If you would open your Bibles to the gospel of Mark chapter 9. As we do that, our core kids are dismissed. The gospel of Mark chapter 9. Gospel of Mark, chapter 9, verse 30. When you got it, say so. It says, Then they departed from there and passed through Galilee, and he did not want anyone to know it. For he taught his disciples and said to them, The Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of men, and they will kill him. And after he, and, and after he is killed, he will rise the third day. But they did not understand this saying and were afraid to ask him. Then he came to Capernaum, <clears throat> and when he was in the house, he asked them, What is it you disputed among yourselves on the road? But they kept silent. For, as the road, for on the road they had disputed among themselves who would be the greatest. And he sat down, called the twelve, and said to them, If anyone desires to be first, he shall be last of all and servant of all. Then he took a little child and set him in the midst of them. And when he had taken him in his arms, he said to them, Whoever receives one of these little children in my name receives me, and whoever receives me receives not me, but him 
who sent me. Father, we thank you for your word that is true, and we humble ourselves before you today, Lord God. We give you thanks, and we give you praise for your great, great love that you show us, and we thank you, God, for the privilege that it is to worship you with freedom, and we thank you for the grace that we have even in this country, Lord God, and as we think this moment on that freedom, we just want to thank you for every um, veteran, Lord God, that has served, Lord God, those that are gone, Lord, we just thank you for them and their service, Lord, we thank you for those that are with us still, and we pray for them, for your grace upon them. We thank you for those that are away serving for our freedom now. We just ask you to strengthen them and to be with them and their families and for family members that are waiting for them, Lord God. Be with them in comfort and in peace, Lord Jesus. And for those that uh, family members that have lost loved ones to war, God, we just pray for your perfect peace which surpasses all understanding, Lord God, over their lives. And God, we pray today as we are in your word that you would open our ears, that we would hear your voice, that you would soften our hearts, that we would respond to your truth, Lord God, that we would not just be hearers of your word, but that we would be doers of it and that we would live for your glory and for your honor. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. If you don't have an outline, just raise your hand and the ushers will be sure to get you an outline. We want to make sure that everyone has an outline so you can follow along in the introduction as well so that way you're able to answer those questions that are there uh, and you can take some notes. And then lastly, as, as I always try to reiterate, we are supposed to be a people that are given to making disciples. Therefore, we should be concerned about helping other people grow in their faith. And the way that we do that is by showing them what we're learning in God's word and helping them to walk through that truth. And so you can utilize these outlines as a tool to help someone else grow in their faith. Additionally, if you are following along in our Bible reading challenge, today is day 316 of the Bible reading challenge, and we are in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 through 14. So if you haven't started reading, you can start reading now. If you've been reading, I encourage you to continue to stay strong. We only have about a month and a half, and we'll be done, and we should be finished with the whole Bible in a year or so. It's been a great experience for me. I hope that you have been encouraged as well. If you look at your outline there, today we're continuing on in our Jesus Impact series. And the first paragraph says there, we were created for success. The first commandment given to man was to be fruitful. And prior to God's command, God blessed man. In other words, God empowered man to succeed in fulfilling the divine purpose given to him. And so one of the things that we have to realize is that when you look at the book of Genesis, you find there in the book of Genesis that God wanted his creation to be successful. Everything that God did, he does, and he creates it with the ability to accomplish what he creates it for. And man is no different. As a matter of fact, we are the crown of his creation. We're, we're, the, we're the apex of creation. We are the ones that God calls his image bearers. He didn't call, as, as, as much as we love our dogs, he didn't call dogs image bearers. Hello? Right? As beautiful as, as lions are, he didn't call lions image bearers. He called us the image bearers, right? And so we are the image bearers of God. And what I want you to realize is that God tells man, he gives man, the first command that he gives man is to be fruitful. For them to be fruitful, for them to accomplish what it is that he wills for them to do. But I want you to notice something that precedes God speaking. The scripture shows us that what God does is he creates man, right? He creates him in, in, in his image and in his likeness. And then the scripture says that he blesses man. And then after he blesses man, that is when he speaks the command to man. And the reason for that is because we are incapable of accomplishing God's commands without God giving us his ability. Hello. We are in 
incapable of accomplishing God's commands without him giving us his ability. And so what he does is he blesses us, right? Has anybody ever been called blessed in here? Anybody? Anybody? Right? You know? And you know, somebody saw something like, well, you're so blessed. You know what I mean? It's like, <clears throat> and so when you think about blessing, right, people look at it that way. But when we think about what blessing means, that word to bless, right, it means to praise. It means that, you know, though, it means to, you know, invoke a blessing upon. But when you look at the depth of the word, the word actually means to endure with strength to endure with ability. And so what God does is he blesses man. And what I want you to realize is that in looking at the text that we're dealing with today, the disciples were having a dispute. And we're going to talk about that dispute a little bit in a, in a few moments. But in this discussion, they were seeking success, right? They were seeking to be successful in what it is that they were trying to accomplish. They were seeking to be successful in, in what they felt was their uh, rights position. And so what they did is they began to have a discussion about what? Who's going to be the greatest? And how is it that we measure greatness? Well, we measure greatness by a lot of things. By the car we drive? Hello, somebody. We measure greatness or the lack thereof by the, you know, the, the extended zeros in our bank account, right? Not just the zero, 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 but when we got extras, right? Like zero dot zero, zero. We're not great in that moment, but the reality is that we measure our greatness by the homes that we live in. And also, we measure our success by what? The positions that we hold. The positions we hold at work, the positions that we hold in the places that we, you know, where we work. If, you know, if, if, you're, if you're a boss somewhere, you know, then you're a boss. Hello, somebody. Right? I mean, I, I, if, you, if you're a leader in, in a particular organization and you're a leader, people look to you. And so we look at success in those ways. And so what I want you to realize is that they were desiring something that is natural within us. And so second paragraph here, as image bearers... <clears throat> Created to be fruitful. It is within us to strive after success. I want you to know something. There should be something inside of you. Just think about that for a moment. There should be something inside of you that makes you want to succeed. Listen, you, you shouldn't wake up every day and say, hey, I'm just going to fail today. Hello. Right? Like, that, like, that's not the way to live. Like, like, you should wake up every day, and you should desire to be successful, right? But I don't want you to think of success like Tony Evans, you know, like, just, you know, like, like positive thinking, like, you know, you know, Oprah Winfrey kind of stuff. I'm not talking about that kind of stuff. I'm talking about biblical success. I'm talking about I want to succeed in fulfilling the purpose that God has for me. I want to be successful wherever God has stationed me in life, that I can be the best, that I can glorify him, that I can honor him. That's what I'm talking about when we're talking about being successful. We should do that. Therefore, what we, what we need to do is we must ensure that our pursuits are God-honoring, meaning that they are aligned with God's ways, attuned to God's will, and attesting to the grace of God. And so what has to happen is if I am going to be a person that is striving for the success that God wills for my life, then I'm going to have to be a person that wants to do what? I want to be aligned to God's ways. Therefore, my character looks a certain way. Hello. My character reflects the character of Christ. My character, the way that I interact with people, the way that I strive for success isn't by stepping on people or pushing people down. On the contrary, the way that I strive for success is being the best that I can and then making those around me as good as they can be. So that's a different way to strive for success. My, 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 my pursuit must be attuned to the will of God. In other words, I'm not just striving for success that benefits me or that is something that I desire or something that I will, but I strive to know the will of God, right? For the young people that are in this place, you know, you're in college and, you know, think, or, or getting ready to go to college, you know, there's, there's a bunch of assessments that you can do and you can take to find out what you may be good at. And there may be some things that you like, and that's
that's all good if you want to follow that path. But let me challenge you for something. And even for those of us that are, old, that, that, that are adults and that are in the workplace and we're looking to climb that ladder of success, listen, don't just look at what everyone else around you is telling you. Don't just look at what everyone else around you is saying, hey, this is what you should do or what an assessment is telling you to do. But let me challenge you to get on your face and seek God's heart. Let me challenge you to pursue God and say, God, I want to know what your will is for my life. Because you know what? Your will for my life, it may not be comfortable. Your will for my life, it may not be exactly what I plan or what I will. Let me tell you something. If you go ahead and you listen to enough Christians, you'll hear like some of them, they started college with one major. They ended up wasting a bunch of years, a bunch of time, and hello, somebody, a bunch of money to then find out that they weren't called to be an architect, they were called to be a preacher. Hello. Wouldn't it be nice to know beforehand that I was called to be a preacher? I'm just saying. Like, I could have started majoring in this ministry rather than spending three years, you know, striving after this degree to then go ahead and say, man, that's not what God wants for me. Listen, you're, you're, you're in a place right now, everyone in here, you're in a place where you can say, God, what is your will for my life? And can I tell you something? God wants you to know his will. He wants you to succeed. He created you for that purpose. And so it's about us striving after that purpose. And then what happens is because we are aligned with the ways of God, because we are attuned to the will of God, our life will attest to the grace of God. Because our lives will be a life that is seen, not because I'm so great at this or so wonderful at this, but because I am really dependent upon the grace of God to succeed in everything that I'm doing. I'm not doing what comes natural to me. I'm not doing what is just my desire. I'm following the will of God. Third paragraph there. We must recognize that as Jesus served unto the glory of the Father and experienced success and glory that truly matters, so we must follow in his footsteps, living and serving glory. What we have to realize is that Jesus came here. He served the greatest purpose ever. And we'll talk about that. And that is found all in the gospel. He served the greatest purpose and it was to bring us salvation. And we are supposed to imitate him. We're supposed to experience servant glory. What I want you to know is that when you are serving the way that God wills for you to serve, there is a certain glory that comes along with that. Two sides of glory. The side of glory that is here on this side of earth and then the side of glory that is when we go into glory in heaven. When we pass beyond this place and our lives pass before the throne room of grace and, and the throne of judgment and then we experience real glory. Hello somebody. That is the day that we look forward to. And that is what it, that's what I'm talking about when I talk about serving glory. So here is the big idea that I have for you today. Humble service is the biblical pathway to true success and glory. Humble service is the biblical pathway to true success and glory. I want you to think about that. Humble service. Not just service, humble service. That's the biblical pathway. For us to experience true success and glory. The first thing I'll ask you to repeat after me is this. Say, serving may take us down the path of suffering. How many of y'all woke up this morning saying, Lord, I want to suffer? Right? That's like right, that's like, like right there next to my other thought, which is, Lord, I want to fail today. Hello. Right? Like none of us wakes up wanting to suffer. But what I want you to realize is that if you look at if you look back at chapter at chapter nine, look at verse nine and ten with me real quick. Verse nine and ten, Jesus is coming down from the Mount of Transfiguration. We already talked about this, but in verse nine and ten, it says something. It says, "Now as they came down, as they came down from the mountain, he commanded them that they should tell no one the things they had seen 
till the Son of Man had risen from the dead. <clears throat> so notice, Jesus is pointing to what? He's pointing to his resurrection, and if you're going to rise from the dead, means you have to die. So he is talking about his death as well. Verse 10 says, so they, speaking of the three that were with him, kept his word to themselves, questioning what the rising from the dead meant. And then you come over here, and you go to verse 30. Look what verse 30 says. Verse 30 says, then they departed from there. Jesus had already done what? He had already cast out this demon from this child that the nine disciples could not do. And so they go to their, they, they go, they're passing through Galilee, and Jesus didn't want anyone to know about it. And verse 31 tells us, for he taught his disciples and said to them, the Son of Man is being betrayed into the hands of men, and they will kill him. And after he is killed, he will rise the third day, verse 32 says. But they did not understand what this, what this saying, uh, understand this saying, and were afraid to ask him. And so what we have here in the Hebrew is called an inclusio, and, and it's two bookends of thought. And what it is is that in this, all the way up to the moment of the transfiguration, Jesus is doing miracles, signs, and wonders. Things are happening that are proving. Remember, he's writing Mark in, this, in the Gospel of Mark. He's writing to Romans. And remember, like we talked about in the beginning, he's writing to them, giving them the proofs of who Jesus is. Giving them the proofs that Jesus is God the Son. That Jesus is this king's servant that has come. And so all the way up to this chapter 9, he's been doing these signs, wonders, and miracles. He goes up to the Mount of Transfiguration with his disciples, and when he goes up there, it is clear. These three disciples see the glory of Jesus as no one has seen. He's transfigured before them, and he becomes whiter than anything that they've ever seen, right? So this is the experience they have. After that experience, they come down the mountain, and Jesus says, Listen, don't, I don't want you to tell anyone about this until I rise from the dead. They don't understand it there. Then he comes down off the mountain, casts this demon out of this child, and then he comes at the end of that, he starts off again to do what? To remind them because they were, they're, they're, they're thinking again in terms of it's time to establish the kingdom. It's time for us to establish the kingdom. You've already proven you're God the Son. You've already proven you're the Messiah. Peter has already declared that you are the Christ. You are the Son of the living God. He's already made that declaration. And so now the disciples in their mind and their heart, God knows this, they're ready for Jesus to take over. They're ready for Jesus to be established as king. But Jesus is reminded to know the way for the kingdom is what? Suffering. The way of my kingdom, the way for me to establish my kingdom is through suffering, through hardship. And so like I said, none of us wake up saying, hey, I want to suffer. I desire to, stuff, to suffer. But that is the humble way to serve, that I'm willing to walk through this suffering. I'm willing to walk through this pain. And so Jesus is explaining to them and letting them know this. And his disciples, they don't ask him about this because they're fearful. We'll talk about that in a moment. But what we have to realize is that Jesus came to serve our greatest necessity and the most humble way ever. He came to this earth, de you know, he dethrones himself, takes off the glory of heaven, comes down to this earth because of what? Because there are people he created who are sinful, who are born into sin, who have a sinful bent, who, are tur who turn away from him in rebellion and want to do their own things and no good deeds that they do can amount to the, to, to the things that have to save them. They cannot save themselves. That day is you and I. Hello, somebody. We cannot save ourselves, no matter how good we are, no matter how many righteous things we do. And so we are stuck. But Jesus comes. He says, you know what? They can't save themselves. I'm going to save them. They can't deliver themselves. I'm going to deliver them. He comes. He dies in our place. He rises again from the dead. And what does he do? He declares to us over and over again, I love you. 
He declares unto us over and over again, I died for you. I shed blood for you. And when you put your faith in, you know what he does? He doesn't look at you yesterday. He doesn't look at 10 years ago. He doesn't look at anything that you, that you did before. He looks at you as his beloved child, his beloved son, or his beloved daughter. That's how he looks at you. Because he gives you a new identity. No longer are you that, but now you are his. Hello, somebody. No longer are you his enemy, but now you are his friend. No longer are you separated from him, but now you are beloved by him, and you are brought into the family. See, that is what happened on the cross. And he rose for our justification, and he gives us this new life. And so now we see that Jesus declares this. So what does that mean for us? Well, here's the thing. Jesus was willing to suffer for us, and because he suffered for us, we should be willing to suffer for his glory, even to death, no matter what it costs us. You see, the motivation for us is because of what he did for us, and the example that he leaves us, we want to follow in that example. And so the bottom line is that we must seek to understand the will of God and the ways of the kingdom in order that we may serve with the right perspective and motivation. You see, I said earlier that the big idea was what? Humble service is the biblical pathway to true success and glory. And so what we have to understand is what God's will is. We have to understand what God wills for us, what God desires for us. And then we have to understand how do we get there? How do we get to that place of success? And it is through humble service that we experience success, that we experience true glory. That's the way that we do it. It is by walking in the path of submission and yieldedness unto the will of God. And the motivation is the gospel. Second thing I'd ask you to repeat after me is this. Our values, values. will determine, determine our, ambitions. our ambitions. Our values will determine our ambitions. Look at verse 33 to verse 35. And it says there, it says, then he came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he asked them, he, he, he asked them, what was it you disputed among yourselves on the road? But they kept silent. You feel that right there? That awkward silence, you don't know exactly what's going to happen right now? That's what happened in Jesus' conversation with the disciples. He asked them a question, he's got real quiet. They don't want to say anything. They didn't want to answer him because on the road they were doing what? They were arguing about, yo, man, I'm the greatest. And, you know, I can, I can just see them, right? Like Peter, he was like, yo, I was on the mountain, bro. <laughs> and, and, yo, check this out. I was the one that declared, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And then Nathaniel's like, bro, what are you talking about? He's like, I didn't even have to go up on the mountain. The first time I saw him, I was like, yo, you are the Christ. Peter, you always think you're the greatest, bro. You ain't the great. Like, I can see them going back. It just depends on where they're from, you know? Anyway, so, the, I don't know what Hebrew dialect would sound you know, like, like what their, their embodiments would have been, but nonetheless, that's how I would have sounded, right? Like, we're going to do a modern version, but, not, not, but the reality is they're over here. Jesus, now think about this. Jesus telling them, hey, guys, I'm going to die. I'm going to rise again. I'm about to be betrayed. And they're like, okay, bro, I'm the best. Like, that's what happened. These guys, but that's us. Right? Like, like, things are real serious, you know, and, and we should be real, like, in the, and, and, and we're arguing about trivial stuff. We're arguing about things that are opposed to the kingdom, which is exactly what these guys are doing. So everything gets silent, right? Like, they, they don't answer the question. So Jesus is like, I got you. Just on the road, they had disputed among themselves who would be the greatest. Verse 35, it says, and he sat down. So Jesus is like, all right, he has a seat called the 12 and said to them, if anyone desires to be first, in other words, if anyone desires to be the greatest, 
If anyone desires to be leader, if anyone desires to sit on my right hand, if anyone desires to sit on my left hand, if anyone desires to be great, he's got to become what? He's got to become least. He's got to become last. He's got to become, thank you, he's got to become servant of all. He's got to become servant of all. And so, and so Jesus turns it around. He's like, look, guys, this isn't about us, you know, going and taking over, over Rome. This isn't about us coming and rising up again and, just, and, and destroying every kingdom. That's going to happen way later on. But before we get there, there's a place of suffering. There's a place of hardship. But here's the thing. Their values, they had some values. They, they, their, their values were wrong because what? Because they were used to what? They were used to Roman rule. That's what they were used to. They were used to the rule of the Roman people. They were used to being pushed down. They were used to having to listen to this, this overbearing authority. And so what were they doing? They were confusing the principles with the kingdom with the principles of Rome. In other words, they were living in the name of God, but they were living under the world system. And see, we have to be careful that we're not doing that. We have to be careful that we're not seeking God and still having the mindset of the world. Hello? We, see, because it's easy for us, you know? That's the reason why we want people to tell us how blessed we are. Hello. That's why I want to hear that stuff, you know? You want, you, 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 want to, you want to hear those things, and so we have to make sure what? Our values must be rooted in the gospel, and our ambitions directed toward the glory of God. Our values, our values, the things that we value must be rooted in the gospel. It must be rooted in the, in, in the things that we see in Jesus, must be rooted in the sacrifice that Christ made for us. The things that we value, listen, they must be derived from there, and they cannot be opposed to the things of the gospel. Well, the things that we desire, the things that we want. And you know how we can tell what we value? Where are your ambitions? What are you striving after? What are you striving for? You see, because you can say, oh yeah, I have, I have, I have biblical values, but the question is, what are you striving for? And how are you striving to get those things? Because as believers, we're supposed to what? We're supposed to follow Christ. See, when he said this, Jesus, when, when Jesus says these words, he says, if anyone desires to be first, he shall be last of all and servant of all. What Jesus was saying is that everything that you have should do what? It should point you toward bringing glory and honor to God. It should point you toward helping others. Did you hear that? Be servant of all. So every gift you have, the ability you have, the talents you have, the finances you have, everything that you have should be geared toward what? Helping others come to know God better. That's what it should be for. It should helping others become better. When you look at Jesus, what did Jesus do? Everyone that encountered Jesus was better because of it, except the ones that rebelled against him. Did you get that? The woman with the issue of blood, she was better after she met Jesus, was she not? The man with the withered hand, was he not better after he met Jesus? The woman that was bent over, was she not better after she met Jesus? All of these people that met Jesus, they were better. Mary Magdalene, was she not better after she met Jesus? And so everyone that Jesus met, Zacchaeus, I mean, this guy was a baller. Hello, somebody. All right. I mean, this guy was a tax collector. And this dude, he met Jesus. He was better off. The rich young ruler, not so much. You know why? The rich young ruler thought he didn't need Jesus. He thought when he came to Jesus, he was like, what must I do in order to inherit eternal life? So he thought he already had done it all. He was coming to Jesus not because he really wanted an answer. He wanted affirmation that he was good enough to get to heaven. Hello, somebody. 
Talk about self-righteousness all day long, but he was not better off because of what? Not because Jesus wouldn't have made him better. If he would have done what Jesus said, he would have been better off. But he chose not to. And so we, as believers, should be the same way. We should be using our gifts, our talents, our abilities. We should be using every position that we have in this world in order to help others become better. Third thing, I ask you to repeat after me is this. Say, our service, our service. must be marked. By humility. Our service must be marked by humility. In the culture that Jesus lived, he does something. He, he, he does something that's special. Look at verse 36 to 37. There's a reason for this. It says, then he took a little child. So remember, Jesus is sitting down in the midst of the twelve. He brings a little child to him. And he set him in the midst of them. And when he had taken him in his arms, he said to them, whoever receives one of these little children in my name receives me. And whoever receives me, receives not me, but him who sent me. Now, why does he do that? Because in the culture that Jesus lived in, it was much like our culture. Children were not esteemed the way that they should be. See, in that culture, that, you know, looking at a little child, it was like, man, you know, they're, they're nothing. Like, get, get out of here. You know, did you ever hear the saying, I hope you didn't hear this growing up, but, you know, maybe you heard this. Children should be seen and not heard. I would love that to be a reality with Josiah sometimes. Hallelujah. That's never going to happen unless he's sleeping. And then he snores, so it's not even really happening. But the reality is, in those days, it was like, you know, you have more than two kids in our days. Oh, my goodness, what's wrong with them? Right? But you know what the Bible says? The Bible says that children are an inheritance. They are a heritage from the Lord. Let me ask you a question. If you had like eight uncles that were going to hook you up with an inheritance, would you tell any of them no? Be like, yo, aunt, what's up, man? You all right? How you feeling? You'd be praying for him to go to heaven quickly, right? Like, I mean, Hopefully you wouldn't, but nonetheless, you would not reject. My voice is killing me today. You would not reject an inheritance from anybody if it was going to really bless you. Hello, somebody. Right? But here's the thing. The thing is that that's what the Bible says about children. Children are a blessing. Hello, somebody. Right? Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. Right? The picture is, you know, back in those days, people didn't have, you know, M16s. Hello. Right? Back in those days, they didn't have semi-automatic weapons. It wasn't nothing like that. They didn't have, like, oversized clips for guns. They didn't have that. You know what they had? They had a quiver. Right? It was a thing that held arrows. Let me ask you a question. When you went to fight against an enemy, did you want to have two arrows or 20? You wanted 20. Glory to God. And that's why God says your children are an inheritance, right? He's talking about the blessing that they are. And so I hope you get that, right? I mean, children are a blessing. They're supposed to be. But in that culture, no. Nope. They didn't believe that teaching. They didn't see. They, they didn't see that. Nobody take care of kids never. So you know what Jesus does? Jesus says, listen, you know what? For my disciples, you know why he does this? I'm going to tell you why he does this. He does this because all disciples are those that look for loopholes. Hello. And so when Jesus says those words, he's like, listen, anybody who receives one of these, right? He's, you know, if you're going to be first, then you got to be the last of all and servant of all. So automatically someone's thinking, okay, servant of all. Let's define all. And Jesus is like, bring me a child. He's sitting down. He brings a child to the midst of them, grabs a the child up in his arms, puts him on his lap, and he says, listen, 
If you receive one of, if, if you receive one like this, if you receive a, receive a child, you receive me. You don't just receive me, but you receive the one who sent me. In other words, what he's saying is that your serving of this child, something that you understand as something that's beneath your, you know, ability or beneath you because of who you are. You're seeking to be great in the kingdom. Love these kids. Serve these children with all of your heart. And so what's our application? We should all go serve in children's ministry? Maybe, maybe. I don't know. We should all have 20 kids. I don't know. I, you know, some, something. But here's some, some of y'all like, I rebuke the devil. Anyway, listen. Listen to me. Don't be like that. Listen. The application of this is not about, you know, going serving in an area. It's this. It's that when those opportunities rise for you to do something that you feel is beneath you, that might just be God testing you. When you feel like there's something, man, like, man, I don't know, someone else should do that. Hello, somebody. Maybe you're that someone else. Maybe you are that someone else that should be doing that thing. Maybe it's you that God is calling to do that. And when you do that, here's the deal. It's about humility, right? Because humble service is the biblical approach. It's the biblical way for us to do what? For us to be successful and for us to experience glory. It's that humble service, the willingness to be humble. Can I tell you something? Humility is a choice, y'all. Humility is a choice. It's a choice that we make. But here's the thing, we have to stay focused on who? On Christ, because if we only focus on the task, we can get real discouraged. Hello. We can get real discouraged real quick. Why? Man, this task becomes difficult. Someone else can come and do this. Someone else can get up early for that. So, and you know what? Here's the thing. You know, most of the time, God is asking us simply to do certain things like, hey, man, I want you to do this with all of your heart, with all of your soul. Don't worry about who's looking at you. Don't worry about what you want to do. Just be faithful. That's it. Just be faithful. And so here, here's my, my closing question. It is this. Would you say you're walking in biblical success, serving glory? Would you say that? Would you say that you are walking in biblical success the way that God wants you? Not success by the world standards. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about biblical success. I'm talking about that you are serving humbly wherever you are. Listen, at your job, I don't care who you are at your job, you should be serving humbly. If you're a leader, you should be leading and serving from that position humbly. Hello, somebody. Wherever you are in ministry, are you serving humbly? In your home, are you serving humbly? Because that is the way that we experience biblical success and serving glory. Let's all stand to our feet. Let's bow our heads, please. You know, you may be in this place and you are, you say, no, I'm not, I'm not living successfully according to biblical, according to a biblical way. I'm not living successfully. I'm not serving. I'm not experiencing that glory. And if that's you in this place, God calls you to humble yourself before him. You may be in this place and you're just struggling. You're struggling to serve and God is just telling you, just focus on me. Focus on me. Let me be your strength in this. And you might be someone in here that you are serving for the glory of God. You are serving for his name's sake. And you just, listen, this is just to encourage you to continue serving. Wherever you are, let me pray with you. Father God, right now, I lift up every person in this place.
And Lord God, you know every heart, you know every situation, you know every person, Lord God, and where they are. There are some that are serving faithfully. There are some that are serving with all their heart. There are some that are serving with all their life. And I pray that you would just strengthen them, Lord God. I pray that you would strengthen them, that you would give them the ability to remain focused on you, God. I pray for those in this place, Lord God, that are struggling to remain focused, that are struggling to stay in the fight, Lord. I pray that you would give them that strength that they need in order to continue on, to press forward, Lord God, and be faithful what you've given them. And Lord God, I do pray for those in this place that are not serving, that are not being faithful, that are not following your will and your mandate upon their lives, God. I pray that your Holy Spirit would grip them this morning. And I pray that you would draw them unto you, that they would obey you, that they would honor you, and that they would serve faithfully for your glory, for your name's sake, Lord God. And I thank you for this, God. Help us all to serve and experience the glory here and now and the glory that is to come, God. We pray this all in Jesus' good name. And everyone said, amen. amen. Come on, give God a hand of praise. He is worthy. Thank you, Bishop.